Hey, well, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm Pastor Lindsay. Welcome to those of you who are joining us from downstairs in the traditional sanctuary or at home um, or listening to us via podcast. It is great to be able to be together um, this morning. You know, I um, was driving in my car this week, and it started making a new sound. Has that ever happened to you? You're just like, oh, that's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. Um, so the bad news is I need to take my car uh, to the shop this week. But the good news is I know exactly where I'm taking my car, right? I know which mechanic that I'm going to. We have been going to the same mechanic um, for a number of years. There's these brothers that have just this little repair shop. Um, and we love taking our cars there because we feel like this is just a place that has integrity. They never tell us that our car has, like, all of these problems that we had no, like, anticipation of, right? Every time we go, it makes sense. And in fact, it's become a little bit of a joke with Ryan, my husband and me, that we're like, did they tell us all of the things that need to be fixed? Because not only are they not going to tell us the extras, right? One time he took his car in because the brakes were squeaking. And um, so he called and he was like, you know, did you replace the brakes? And they were like, you know, we didn't. They're working fine. Like, they have plenty of padding, and they're totally safe. And so, like, we just thought you might want to keep driving with them because they're, they're a little noisy, but there's really nothing wrong with them. And we were like, well, they're not taking advantage of us, that's for sure, right? Like, okay. So we, we feel like this is a place that has integrity. I think many of us have had an experience of being on the other side of that, right, where we've been lied to or we've been tricked or, or taken advantage of, and it it feels terrible, right? It just doesn't feel good when that happens to you. And so we try to surround ourselves not only with like companies and organizations, but with people in our lives who we think have integrity, people who are going to do the things that they say that they're going to do, who are going to be reliable in our lives. That's what we're going to um, talk about today is integrity. And I wonder when you think about integrity, if there's a person that kind of pops into your mind, if there is a person in your life now or who's been in your life who maybe um, has taught you or, or has mentored you in some way that you think this is a person who has integrity, right? What does it mean to be a person of integrity? What does it mean to lose your integrity? Do you consider yourself someone of integrity? And if so, how do you maintain integrity? So we're in a sermon series right now about wisdom. And so for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about wisdom and thinking about the fact that wisdom is more than just acquiring knowledge, right? It's, it's more than just data collection. There is a component of good judgment associated with it, right? So it's not just um, collecting information. It's you get the knowledge and you get the information, but then you add your own perspective and discernment so that you actually come from a place of good judgment and have some wisdom, so today, we're going to look at this idea of wisdom incorporating that good judgment or good thinking. Um, and if you missed last week, Pastor Kyle preached a sermon about good thinking, uh, which is actually quite good, and you may want to go back and listen to that one. But we're going we're gonna to talk today about this idea of combining good thinking with actions, which is at the heart of integrity. Um, so we're going to look at what the Bible have to, has to say, and we're going to look at some Christian um, tradition. And what I want us to do is um, to start with a, 
a verse from the book of Proverbs. So the book of Proverbs is a book that was um, largely written by a guy named Solomon. Um, Solomon was uh, the son of King David and Bathsheba. He is the one who built the first temple, and he's known for a lot of things, um, but one of the things that he is known for is all of his writings. So he wrote some books. He wrote um, most of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. He wrote a book called The Song of Solomon, and most of his writings are what we call the wisdom literature. So Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and Job are the three books in the Bible that are classified as our wisdom literature. So, you know, if you take your Bible, we, we sometimes divide it up into different books or different categories. So we have gospels and we have epistles and we have prophets and we have wisdom literature. So this guy Solomon wrote a lot of our wisdom literature. And so he is tends to be thought of as a guy who's pretty wise. Um, and so we're going to look at a verse from Proverbs. And this is um, a proverb, which is, you know, just a short saying. And it's listed a bunch among a bunch of um, these wise sayings of Solomon. So let's look at um, Proverbs 11:3, And he says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. So the integrity of the upright guides them, right? So in other words, if you are upright, if you are someone who is honest, if you're righteous, then your integrity guides you or it leads you into this place of goodness, right? Contrasting that, right, the treacherous, so someone who doesn't have integrity, someone who is treacherous is someone who's, who's guilty of betrayal or deceiving someone. And so it's, it's the crookedness of the treacherous that doesn't guide you into goodness, but it actually destroys you. So wisdom would say, if you want to be guided away from destruction and into a place of goodness, then you want to live a life of integrity. So what is integrity? Right? What, what, um, how would we define it? Well, um, I, I love a good Bible dictionary, and I went to the Holman Bible Dictionary and uh, found a definition for us. And they've said that integrity is the faithful support of a standard of values. Okay, so it's actually supporting the values that you hold. Okay, so let's break this down. Um, so if, if integrity is supporting your values, I want us to start by thinking about values. I have props, right? I really uh, broke the budget on this one. Okay, values. So, oh, goodness. Okay, so if we have values, right, what are values? Values are things that we believe are important in life. Okay, so this could be um, personality uh, characteristics. These could be thoughts or perspectives or ideas. These are things that we would say we have a high opinion of, right? Things that we would say this matters a lot to living a good life, right? This is what would bubble to the surface. So it might be something that we would say, well, personality characteristics or traits, things that we would value, right? Maybe honesty or dependability, uh, maybe kindness uh, or being a peacemaker, right? What are the things that we would value? They could be principles, right? We could say that, that we value freedom, that we value having influence or power, that we value um, being able to make choices for ourselves. Um, we, we could value things like how, um, how we think of money, right? Financial responsibility or generosity, right? We each get to decide for ourselves what our values are. What do we personally believe is the most important thing, right? What bubbles up to the surface? And we would say, these are our internal thoughts, right? This is what we believe internally matters the most. This is what's important um, in life. Okay, so we have our values, um, and then over here on the other side, we have behavior. Okay, so behavior, 
is what we actually do. Okay, so behavior is the way that we respond to the circumstances in our actual lives. So behavior is something that can be measured. It's something that can be observed. So it's the words that we say. It's the facial expressions that we make, right? It's, it's where we go. It's, it's what we do with our actual bodies. It's what, how we spend our actual dollars. You know, it's the things that we actually do and how we respond in the world to the things that are going on. Okay, so over here we have values. These are our internal beliefs. And over here we have behaviors. And so this is the external things that we actually do. Integrity is when we close the gap between our behaviors and our values right, when, when there's not space between them. If you are someone who has integrity, you are someone whose actual life and your behaviors line up with what you believe is the most important thing. So we get to decide our values, right? Now I'm a pastor and I'm teaching in a church and so you might not be surprised that I would suggest to you that I think that Jesus's values are just a slam dunk if you're trying to choose some. So. Um, in, in my life group uh, over the summer, we studied uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And so that is Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And so we spent the whole summer doing that. So we spent a month on chapter 5, a month on 6, and a month on 7, right? And so these um, are the teachings of Jesus that talk about the kingdom of God, right, that he had come to bring. And so it talks about some of the things that Jesus would say, hey, this is valuable in my kingdom, right? It talks about um, the golden rule, and it talks about money, and it talks about forgiveness and, and how to treat other people. So if you're thinking, well, what are the values of the kingdom, or what might I want my values to be, um, I would suggest that, that that might be a good place for you to start, to just read about some of the values of God's kingdom, or even just to start at the beginning of that, um, which are the Beatitudes, the, the blessed are the, right? What does Jesus say has value? Who does Jesus say is blessed in this kingdom? Okay, so values and behavior, when they're paired together, is this idea of integrity, right? So, right, that, that dictionary um, definition that, that we said, um, that integrity is faithful support of a standard of values. Faithful support of a standard of values. So when your life is supporting the values that you have, then you are living a life of integrity. Now, throughout scripture, right, a core idea is that integrity matters, that, that, that what we believe is not the only thing that matters, right? James calls it faith and works, right? That, that there's this pairing of what we do and what we believe that matters. And the challenge, the problem is that gaps can develop, right? Sometimes there will be space that, that grows in between what we believe and how we act. And so that is a challenge um, for us, right? I, um, I haven't traveled to a ton of cities, but one of the places that I got to go that I really loved is London. Um, I am a city girl at heart. I love big buildings. I love people and to be surrounded by different cultures. I love riding public transportation. Um, and so it was like a real treat to get to go and to ride in their underground on the tube. That's what they call their subway. And, um, and I was just like so excited that I got to experience this phrase that is um, pretty well known um, and has become famous. Maybe you've heard it. It's mind the gap, right? Yeah, mind the gap. So uh, they put this on t-shirts and on coffee mugs and like you can get a magnet. I think I bought one. Um, and so the idea is that this is a part of their tube station and they actually print it on the ground so that you can see it um, 
at some of their stations. So at some of the underground stations, there's actually space between the platform where you're standing and the train as it pulls up, right? Some of the stations are curved with the flat train, and so there's a gap. And so they print so that you can read, and they have a recording overhead that they say, mind the gap, right? But they say it with a British accent, which I don't have. So it's really fun. <laughs> but I was thinking about that this morning and thinking that that phrase can actually be useful for us as we think about integrity, as we think about minding the gap, paying attention to the space that can develop, that can actually trip us up as we're trying to walk along um, in our journey. Right? This question, does my life match what I believe? Or is there a gap there? Right? Am I minding the gap um, as, as I'm living my life? Um, so when I was preparing for this morning, I can't remember exactly when it dawned on me that integrity is measured not only in people, but in other things as well. Um, and integrity is a word that is also used in construction and in engineering. So today, if you came to my house um, after church, you would see that there is a giant blue tarp on my roof. And that is because at one of the recent storms, we had a big branch from an oak tree come crashing through the roof. And so we had um, an inspector come, and as he was looking at this stuff, he said, well, good news, right? Not only did this tree branch not come through into your living area, but the integrity of the beams is intact. And I was like, my house has integrity, y'all. <laughs> so... This guy doesn't know he's in my sermon today, but it was exciting, right? Because I was like, oh, right, buildings have integrity. Structures have integrity. There's actually an entire field of engineering that's developed to this. Um, I looked it up, and I love this definition of structural integrity, right? So structural integrity is actually a field of engineering that helps ensure that a structure or a structural component is fit for its purpose, and I love the phrasing of that because this is saying that integrity asks and answers the question, right, are you fit for your purpose? Are you doing or are you capable of doing the thing that you say you're going to do? Right, so I have some, some images here of different things, different structures um, that have integrity. So we have a picture of a bridge. Every time you and I drive our car onto a bridge, we are trusting that that bridge has integrity. Right? We, we are trusting that there is no gap between the value of this bridge that says, I think the most important thing is holding you up as you cross, and the actual behavior of that bridge that will hold us up. Right? We are trusting that that bridge is going to bridge. Right? We are trusting in the integrity of the bridge. Right? Our houses have integrity. I um, picked this picture of a house um, part of a house, because I, I wasn't sure this one had integrity, and I thought, oh, that's interesting, right? But what we do, every time we walk across the threshold of a room, we stand on the floor, we trust it's going to hold us up. Every time we go up a staircase, every time we stand on a balcony and we lean against the railing, we are trusting in the integrity of that structure, that it's actually going to do the thing that it says that it's capable of doing. Have you ever been to Grandfather Mountain? I have never thought more about the integrity of a structure than when I walk across a swinging bridge. Honestly, right? You, you're thinking, I know what the value of this bridge is. I know what it believes it can do. But how, how, what is the behavior of the boards and this rope? Is it capable of holding me up? I don't love swinging bridges, right? But we trust in the integrity of these things. 
right? Does, does it match? Does what it exists to do um, actually happen? So we know that in the building of a structure, um, whether building a bridge or in building a life, that the building of it matters, right? The materials that you use matter. The values that you put in matter. And, and, and building it um, to, to make sure that it has integrity. But let's just for the sake of argument say that we have a bridge that has integrity. So then the question is, how do you maintain integrity? How do you make sure that the integrity isn't lost in, in a structure? Right? How do you actually maintain it? Well, I'm not an engineer, but it turns out that the way that um, in engineering and in construction that you maintain it is through regular inspections. And so you go and you check the foundation and you look at the joists and you look at how things are actually operating and you say, is this bridge bridging, right? Is this math mathing still? Is this thing still going to hold? And so you check it so that you can find something when it's slightly off and you can make a minor adjustment or you can make a small repair so that you can make sure that this thing stays on course and that the integrity of the structure stays. Um, do we have anybody in the room that likes roller coasters? Oh, yeah, lots, yes. I, I really like roller coasters, actually. Um, I live with three children who love roller coasters. Um, they love Carowinds, which is our local amusement park where you can ride giant roller coasters. And they ask me, not daily, but pretty close, can we go to Carowinds? Can we go to Carowinds? And when they go, they want to ride the roller coasters again and again and again, right, the big ones. Um, well, if you live locally, then you may know that this summer there was a little bit of drama with the roller coaster um, at Carowinds. So the Fury is their biggest roller coaster. We have a picture of it here. Um, and this summer, there was a crack that developed in one of the support beams. So we have a picture of that as well. So, okay, right in the top, there was this crack, and it went undetected for, I, I, I'm not sure exactly how long, probably a week, they think. And so every day, they were cycling through hundreds of people, right? Just ride after ride after ride. And that crack was getting bigger, and it was actually a guest at the park who noticed that as the roller coaster um, was coming through, that this whole top part shifted. And it was like, here it comes. <laughs> and, and so he took a video, and he brought it to the attention of the people, and they, they immediately said, okay, well, we've got to fix this. <laughs> and so they, they stopped it, and they had to shut it down for weeks, um, and, and they repaired it. They actually brought in a new structural um, support beam so that they could um, have a functioning roller coaster with integrity. And one of the interesting things um, that Carowinds said that they did is they made a change in how inspections were done after that. And so they, they've changed how they inspect the things that are hard to see, that are, that are high up and far away. So now they fly drones with cameras up into these hard to see places because they know that it's really important to get close up images, right? Because they wanna search for anything that's not quite right. Is there anything that's even just a little bit off here? Right? Because we want to pay attention and we want to notice when something's slightly off so that the crack doesn't grow and grow and grow. Right? Because maintaining regular inspections is important for the integrity of the roller coaster. You and I are not roller coasters and we're not bridges, but we are trying to build lives of integrity. We want to be people who close the gap between our beliefs and our actions. 
right? We want to build lives of integrity. And so I think for us, it's important to think, how do we mind the gap? How do we pay attention to any cracks that would develop, any spaces that would come, um, and notice? So King David um, was considered by most people, um, the, maybe the best king that Israel ever had. He was Solomon's dad. And, um, you know, it, he's an interesting character because he actually is a guy that had some really big gaps that developed <laughs> in his life, right? So he is, he is known not only for the great things that he did, but for the big downfalls that he had, where there was a big space between what he said he valued and how he lived his life. But the, the thing about King David is that he had this heart that kept turning back to the Lord after he would do these things, right? That there was, there was this repentance and this turning back. And so he is often regarded as someone who had a heart that was soft and would posture itself back to the Lord again and again. Um, there is this psalm that King David wrote, Psalm 139, and I love this psalm. It's so beautiful. It's written as um, a prayer, and it's also kind of like this praise, this adoration to the Lord. Um, you may want to read the whole thing when you get home, but it's, it's talking about um, the bigness of God and how God is everywhere and God knows everything. And it's, that's not said in a scary way. It's in this like, Lord, you are so loving and so good, and there is nowhere that I could go that I can't access your goodness. There is no height, there is no depth that you aren't there. You knew me from the very beginning, you know the end of my days, and, and you are good and your love endures forever, and all of this, right? And then at the end of this psalm, this is what David says. He closes the psalm with Psalm 139, 23 to 24. And he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, David is praying, Lord, are there any cracks in my support beams? Will you help me mind the gap in my life? Will you test me, you who knows all things, you who is everywhere? Is there any wicked way in me that I don't detect on my own? Is there something that, that's causing space that's, that's threatening the integrity of my life because I want to be someone who is led in the way everlasting. I want to follow you with my life in the way that I believe in your goodness. And so he is praying this prayer and he's saying, Lord, will you search me? And so I think this is a great model for us as we consider how do we maintain integrity in our lives? What is the wisdom here for us? And the wisdom of maintaining the integrity of structures is regular inspection, right? Actually taking stock and looking and saying, what do I believe and how am I acting, right? What, what's actually um, going on here? Um, there, there's um, a, a priest, a Spanish priest and theologian who's um, from a place called Loyola, and his name is Ignatius, so they call him Ignatius of Loyola, um, and this guy lived a real long time ago, but he came up with this um, prayerful reflection that's called the daily examine. And I love this. I think that it is really helpful. Um, and uh, yeah, Ignatius suggests doing this actually twice a day when he started it. He said that he suggests doing it at midday or at lunchtime and at the end of the day. 
And he said, you know, here's a way to just try to pay attention, right? The purpose of doing this is just to notice God's presence in our lives and to notice the invitation of God um, in, in our actual, like, interactions and in the stuff that's going on. So there's five steps to the daily examine. And so I just want to go through them, right? The first is to give thanks. And so the idea here is that you're just simply thanking God for his love, right? And whether you do that just really simply or in detail, right? He suggests taking about 10 minutes to do it each time. You can take longer, you can take shorter, right? But the idea is noticing where you see God's love for you. Lord, thanks that I woke up in a safe place today. Lord, I had enough food to eat today. I can see your love in that. Lord, I had a friend check in on me, right? I I experienced your love through my friend today, right? We notice and we thank God for loving us. The second thing is that we ask God to help us see. Um, Ignatius actually calls this asking for light, right? But the idea is, Lord, will will you help me? Will you enlighten me as I do this right now? As I sit and examine, will you help me to see and to notice these things? Will you bring it to my attention? And also along with that, this idea of will you help me to see rightly, right? Will you help me to think of myself and to see myself the way that you see me, right? So I don't want to be too hard on myself, and I don't want to be too lenient with myself. I want to see myself the way that you see me, and that's with love and compassion and an ongoing invitation to follow more deeply and more faithfully. Okay, so then the third thing is you actually examine the day. And this is where you actually stop and you recall specific moments and feelings, things that actually happened. Where did I experience true joy? Where was I challenged this morning? Right? How, how did I respond um, when I was disciplining my kids? What did I say to my coworker who made a, a really rude remark? Right? We look at these things that actually went on and, and we say, did I notice God's presence in any of this? And how, how, how did my behavior line up with what I believe? Right? Did I see the fruit of the Spirit? Was I patient? Was I kind? Did I, did I um, share God's love in how I responded in this situation? Right? And so you just kind of look through some of the moments as they bubble up, and you say, okay, well, did, where did I notice God? Um, the fourth step is to seek forgiveness. And so really the idea with that is as you're reviewing, what's my response to the Lord? Right? In, in these situations, was I moving toward the Lord or was I moving away from the Lord in my response? And when we notice that we're moving towards the Lord, we celebrate. And we just say, yeah, thanks, Lord, for your goodness. Thanks for your love. Thanks for the ways that, that um, I get to experience you. And the times where we notice that we're moving away from the Lord, we, we simply say, yes, it's true. Lord, have mercy. Right? Yes, it's true. And, and the, praying even the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who trans, transgress against us, right? Lord, we're sorry for the times um, that, that my behavior wasn't in line with my values. And then finally, number five, is we resolve to change, right? One of the core values that we have as followers of Jesus is transformation, this belief that God is changing us into more of who he created us to be. Right? And so part of this idea is how can we join even more with God's plan for our lives? How can we see and notice God's movement? How can we pay attention to this stuff? And how can we actually um, join Jesus in that? Right? How do I want to enter tomorrow? What's God's invitation to me? And so this is certainly not the only way, but it is a way 
that we can be introspective, right? That if we want to think about integrity, how do we maintain integrity? Well, we do these inspections. And so this is a way for us to mind the gaps that can develop in our own lives and in our own behaviors. Um, So as I was preparing for today, I actually went back to um, the Sermon on the Mount and I reread Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so it was talking about some of the values of the kingdom. And then I got to the very end, and I just smiled so big because I had forgotten the final illustration, uh, this example that Jesus gave. And so I want us to, to read it together. And so Jesus says about all of the previous chapters, right, his teachings about what matters and the values, the characteristics of his kingdom. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. In other words, it was a house with integrity, right? It was structurally sound. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Right, when we live lives of integrity, it doesn't mean that the storms won't come, right? What it means is that in the face of all of the storms and the floods, right, when the stress is put on the joists and on the foundations, that we are actually building interior lives that can withstand the weight of it. That we are people who understand something about the goodness of God, about his love for us, and then we're living our lives as close as we can our behaviors, our actions, our words in line with God's goodness and his overwhelming love for us, right? So we hold these values that we believe are right and true and good and will lead us to beauty and to everlasting eternal life, right? In the words of David, right? Lead us in the way everlasting. So today, that is my hope for us um, as we think about wisdom, that we will be people who think about what we believe And we think about our lives and how we're living and that we'll mind the gap and we will bring these things um, together as we follow Jesus. Amen.